Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. All right, what's fans today? Larry and I are going to be joined by Dan Dickow, a legendary player in the Gonzaga basketball program, kind of the one who got it started, one of their first uh, marquee talents. He's a former NBA player as well, current broadcaster. He does a great job on a lot of college basketball games, including several for Gonzaga. So if anybody's seen Corey Kispert, we thought Dan would be the guy to, to come in and tell us what to expect from, from Kispert this season and over the next couple uh, as he's a member of the Wizards. So uh, before we get to today's interview with Dan, just a couple words from from our sponsors to start us off here. So the first one uh, is Bet Online. You've heard us mention them the last I don't know hundred episodes or so, just about. So if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Realistically, I mean it's it's pretty foolproof for people to be able to come away with some amount of money. I think, especially with the deal they've got going here. So you know whether it's during live games or futures or who you'll think win championships bet online has all the odds news and information for all your online sports betting needs so visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive 50 percent off on your welcome bonus on your first deposit so before the next big game head on over to bet online and start playing today bet online your online sports book experts and our other sponsor the second week we've had them uh, with us we mentioned them last week as well as balance seven I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what's really helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out, and I always need energy to level up. And I couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. The cool thing is we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now. If you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails for $13.99, so I'd say that it's definitely worth the uh, the free trial there. So again, head on over to balance7.com and use the code BLEAV at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. And if it worked for him, it can work for you too. All right, so let's get to today's episode. Again, this is Dan Dickow. All right, Wizards fans, we're joined here by Dan Dickow, Gonzaga legend, former first-round pick, current broadcaster, podcaster, analyst. Uh, Dan, seems like you do it all these days. Thanks for joining us. Well, it definitely makes for some busy days. I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we really just wanted to, to have you on. I, I think of anybody to talk to us about what Corey Kispert would be like uh, in a Wizards uniform. I think you've probably seen as much of them as anybody in the country. So I think let's maybe just start there. What kind of player did the Washington Wizards get with Corey Kispert with the 15th pick? Yeah, I think uh, they're getting a really good uh, kind of plug-and-play guy at the NBA level. Um, whether that means he's going to play eight minutes a game this year or, or you know, 28, that's to be determined how he plays in, in uh, preseason. But, you know, what they're getting is a, is a four-year guy who's very experienced. He's grown tremendously over his four years in college. I actually even remember watching him in high school. Um, so I've been able to see kind of a transition of his game throughout uh, all different phases. But – you know, everybody sees the ability to shoot the ball from deep. You know, he's a he's a big, strong wing at about six seven, six eight. Um, but his evolution of his game has really improved as far as handling the ball under pressure. He's not going to be one of those guys that's going to you know break you down in an ISO setting one on one off the bounce. He'll maybe give you a jab step uh, work and kind of create some angles and space. 
Um, he's gotten better at making the correct reads and pick and roll situations over the last couple of years at Gonzaga. Um, but really, I think what you're looking at is you see guys who've had tremendous success, Kyle Korver, Joe Harris, uh, guys that can absolutely shoot the lights out of it. And I think that's what Corey is. Um, and I, actually, I think that's what Corey has the potential to be. Um, there's such a value on guys like that in the league right now um, that I think he's got a chance to be a really good player. I don't know much Wizards basketball you've watched over the last couple of years, but one of the things they've talked about is the need for both perimeter shooting and athleticism. Obviously, Corey brings the perimeter shooting to the table, but uh, where does he kind of check in on the the athleticism defense side of things? Well, he's definitely improved athletically over the, his four years in college. Gonzaga's got a really good um, strength conditioning coach. And so he's gotten better there. Um, you know, he can get out and transition. He, he can finish uh, over the top, one hand, two hand. Uh, you know, speed-wise, straight line, he's good. Laterally, he's gotten a lot better over the course of four years. You know, with a lot of my uh, analyst work, uh, I've called probably 50 of his games in, in college over the last four years. And, and I always had concerns on him defensively early in his career. But that has not been the case over the last year, especially as a senior. He's really worked hard to improve in that. You know, and I think and Larry can attest to this. I mean, you have to have a certain level of, of athleticism to play in the NBA and, and defensively uh, to try to keep a guy in front. But so much of it is a mindset because guys are so good offensively. If you give in on the first move, you make it easy on guys. You have to make them kind of, you know, gets to the second or third action um, in which is what the best defenders do. If Corey has the ability um, in the mind frame, which I think he does and will at the next level of just competing when he gets in isolation situations of not giving an easy, you know, one dribble pull up. If he gets, uh, you know, competes and not sticking on screens in pin down situations or in pick and roll situations, he's going to be fine because he's big. He's a big, strong guy. Uh, who's got good enough quickness to keep you know the the offensive player in front? Yeah, that, that's that's really what I've I've seen in in the short time watching a few of the uh, summer league games is, is he has a want to to play defense and he also has the smarts to play defense. Matt, you know we we talked about it, uh, you know pretty much all years that the first part of being a good defender is starting in the right spot, and a guy that's been experienced um, that Gonzaga environment is great so. Um, those guys using their brain, him and Rui as well, uh, is, is definitely to their benefit. And then add a little bit of that one-two and add a little bit of that system. I think this guy will be fine. Just sticking with me for a second here. How do you think, you know, Wes Unsell Jr. will be able to kind of take that defensive IQ to the next level? Well, I think film. I think film is, is going to be huge. And I think, I think these guys know who they're drafting. So they know the, the pedigree in which they're coming from. Uh, so I think they have an idea of how much load they can put on these guys. But film is going to be huge, especially these guys that are coming from college, really playing four years in college and coming into the NBA where there's so much space uh, for the offensive players to play. It's just a matter of wanting to and, and understanding what your principles are on the defensive end. And they're all going to go through learning, you know, growing pains, right? I mean, they're going to be nights where they, they, they can't go out a parked car. But when you go and you can use your film – and you have smarts, you know, I think that that's a, a, a very good start, and especially with a coaching staff. I know within Wes, who, who's going to explain, you know, really in detail what he expects from his guys. I think that that'll be a, a good combination. Uh, Dan, we obviously just mentioned that two of the last three first round draft picks for the Wizards have been from, from Gonzaga. Uh, we've heard that Tommy Shepard and Mark Few are, are buddies. Have you seen Tommy sort of uh, milling about uh, up in Spokane the last couple of years? Uh, well, this past year, uh, I didn't see him, but nobody got into the games. I was one of the few people who could go to games cause I was doing the broadcasting, but, uh, no fans, no front office this past season. But, you know, as coach few has continued to, to develop Gonzaga's program to be one of the elites, obviously he gets players that, you know, are drawing interest from, from NBA circles. And, and so, you know, his, network and his relationships in the NBA side have become really strong over the last few years. Plus coach few is one of those honest guys. He's, he's not going to, to try to pull the wool over a front office's eyes to get them to pick one of his guys, because that will hurt his program and, and his 
uh, possible Gonzaga to NBA guys down the road. He's as honest as they come with his valuations. Um, but the fact that you know there's two Zags uh, playing for the Wizards now, you got a lot of fans here in the Northwest, that's for sure. I like it. Washington to Washington connection. You hear a lot about the Duke brotherhood and things like that. Is there a similar kind of vibe in Spokane where you have guys coming back in the off seasons to work out and things like that? Yeah, there is. Um, you know, obviously the last year and a half, two years has kind of been, sure. you know, changed up with COVID with guys coming back in the summers and working out. But, you know, um, for example, when I was playing, I grew up in the Portland area. Every year before I would go to training camp, uh, I would spend some time up here in Spokane and work with the current team. And I kind of learned that from John Stockton because, yeah, John grew up in Spokane. He's a Spokane legend. But even when he was finishing out his career when I was in college, uh, his family would be in Utah with the start of the school year. But he would come back, uh, work out with the guys, play pickup with the guys four days a week, kind of finishing off his prep for the season. Uh, and, and you've seen a number of guys that have, have kind of carried that same thought and philosophy to, to their career uh, to this day. And now really what you see is a lot of guys that aren't from Spokane have decided to make Spokane their home base. I mean, I live here now. I moved up here about nine years ago when I decided I wasn't going to go down the coaching path. Um, so we've lived here. Uh, there's a number of other guys, uh, you know, that call Spokane home now. Yeah, I think the products that that have come out of Gonzaga, I mean, over the, over the last few years, have been been really top notch. I mean, is that you know, is is that a testament, obviously, to the environment that you guys created, or is that just a testament to the world being, you know, that much larger, where you know guys on the East Coast can get a chance to see what Gonzaga is doing? What what would you attribute like the success of the ongoing success of the program to um, in that respect? Yeah, I think there's been levels to the Gonzaga program. Obviously, everybody knew John Stockton's Gonzaga ties. Um, and then, you know, myself, I was the, well, the, the year before I got there, they made that first Elite Eight run. And they had NBA, at least caliber guys that were going to get a solid look. Casey Calvary, Richie Fromm, who who carved out a couple years in the league. Hmm. Matt Santangelo was talked about as a possible uh, prospect. But you know how hard it is to get to that level, Larry. I mean, there's hundred guys that are looked at and two of them might make it. Um, I came right after that. I was able to be an all American and, and make be, be a first round pick play six years. Adam Morrison took it to the next level by being player of the year, third pick. Um, and then over the, the course of the last 12, 15 years, there's just been a couple different things that have happened. You know, we break through the ceiling, get to back to the elite eight. We have a, you know, a lottery pick in Devonta Sabonis. We get another lottery pick uh, with Zach Collins after he goes to uh, after they go to the, the national title game, but with that Zach being a one and done and a McDonald's All Americans, people start seeing okay, you know what? I don't have to go to Kansas or Carolina or Duke. I can go to a place that is going to develop me that maybe I want to go to. I love the coaching staff. Um, you know, I, I can achieve kind of my goals in a setting of where winning is the most important thing still at Gonzaga. And so you've seen a few of those kind of progressions. Then you get a guy like Jalen Suggs, who as a freshman was an unbelievable leader. He's fifth pick in the draft. I think, um, you know, he proved in summer league in the couple games he played that, that he's going to be very good. And you get the number one recruit in the country, Chet Holmgren. I mean, to be honest, even 10 years ago, if you would have said the number one recruit in the country is going to go to Gonzaga, I'd be like, you're crazy. That's not happening. But they've continued to get better players without – sacrificing some of the core pillars of what has made Gonzaga Gonzaga guys that want to win guys that care about e each other. Um, and then, uh, wanting to work at it. I mean, J Jalen Suggs is a great example of wanting to win. He could have gone somewhere else and averaged 20 a game as a freshman. Uh, he went to Gonzaga. He, he bought into what was, what was part of the process for him and, you know, they had an unbelievable season and, and he's poised to have a really good NBA career. Talk about the load, you know, the talent load there on, on this past year's team. And there's probably maybe six, seven guys on that roster that could play in the NBA at some point. Do you think that's a leg up for Corey to be able to just sort of, you know, be able to fit in and, and be one of several good players as opposed to having to like transition from being the guy to maybe a role guy, at least to start? 
Yeah, and I think that that's a great point with Corey because when you look at the evolution of his career, he did play as a freshman. I think he averaged maybe seven a game on a good team. Um, but he's had to earn every step of the way, and he's had to get better at different things to earn more trust from Coach Few. He's had to, to get better at different things to, to have a bigger role. Um, you know, that first year of his, he was a, he was kind of a strictly a shooter um and get out on a fast break and finish a layup guy by the end of his career he was able to do pretty much everything defensively um and then when you look at him you know from a leadership standpoint uh he was tremendous at Gonzaga now I know it takes a while to grow into a leadership role in the NBA um but I think he's got the characteristics that he could be that kind of guy in the NBA yeah, and I think with the league being, you know, as young as it is, and you have a guy that's coming from a program, you know, with, with stature, I mean, I think that, that that curve moves up for these guys. So I would encourage that guy, you know, that's that's a four-year, you know, college player, when once he gets to the NBA, to take on that leadership role. Because you're going to see a lot of guys that are, that are much younger than you, you know, sitting down on that on that bench. So, you know, Corey's listening, man. Take advantage of that leadership role and, and you know, take advantage of it. It's still an adjustment no matter what, no matter how much experience you have. And, and Corey did struggle a little bit in the first two summer league games and averaged eight points, 30% from the field, uh, 23% from three. And yeah, I think a lot of that is just the product of, of summer league is a tough environment, especially for somebody you know that plays the way Corey plays. Dan, I, I don't know if you played any summer league games in your day too, but can you talk a little bit about why that might be sort of a tougher, you know, transition for him right out of the gate. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because for m- for my podcast uh, release coming up uh, tomorrow, I actually just had a, a monologue with myself about, you know, the difference of NBA Summer League and what they're looking for. You know, the difference between a, a rookie draft pick, a young veteran who hasn't cracked a rotation and maybe a, a free agent who's looking to score an overseas contract. You know, they, they play so many they place these guys in situations where maybe they know they're going to have success and they want to see how they handle it. Maybe they put them in situations where they know they're going to struggle just to see how they react to it. Now I didn't watch Washington closely enough, um, but in knowing how summer leagues are structured, you know, they, they would love for a guy to go out there and average 30 points, shoot 60% from the field. um, But they also want to see guys, you know, struggle with rotation so that they have teaching points and then see how they react to the teaching points. Uh, they want to see guys maybe hit a bump in the road where if they're a shooter, they miss three or four in a row. See if that uh, changes or alters their mindset in any way, because this is the first real extended look that they've had at these rookies. I mean, even you can go back and look this year, they really weren't looking at them and watching them in practice and, and in game situations in person, the majority of, of evaluation this year was on film. So this is a chance for them to really kind of, you know, solidify some of their thoughts uh, about their character and their work ethic and how their game will translate to the NBA. Because if you're if you're a mid first round pick, there's no doubt uh, as long as you have the right approach, you're going to make it and you're going to have opportunities. Uh, he obviously bounced back in the game three here. He had 18 points, seven of 12 from the field, four of seven from three, had two blocks. And in every one of these games, you know, if there was a stat for how many, you know, uh, times you dive on the floor for a loose ball and things like that. I mean, he'd, he'd be doing pretty well in that category too. Uh, so the Wizards have not had particularly strong point guard play. And I think that's something for Corey is he's probably not the guy that you're going to ISO on the wing and, and he's going to, you know, break somebody down and get his own shot. So I would encourage fans uh, to focus, you know, a little bit on game three where they looked a little more solid from the facilitation standpoint. Yeah, that would, that, I mean, when you look at Corey's points this year came in, in a number of different settings, he does a really good job of finding open, open areas on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's Larry kind of made a comment about understanding an IQ of the game earlier knowing the game, that's a great in indicator to me that he's going to be okay. Yeah, you got to have a point guard who can find him in in, in timing, um, but Corey's going to find ways to get himself open. He's got a quick release. He's got a high pocket. He's a big big guy as well. Um, you know, I think the 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 if if somebody who's a Wizards fan is wanting him to be an isolation guy, um, kind of break you down off the bounce. That's that's not your guy. He's going to be kind of more of of that Joe. Harris um, and Kyle Korver mold, although he's bigger 
he's more athletic who are in transition. He's going to finish over the top. He can finish through contact better than probably both of those two guys can. Yeah, he, he reminds me of, of Joe Harris out of all of those games, obviously with, with recent names, just because of his body style and his ability to, to get to that second level. It's not just a situation where he's just going to run around and just chase the three. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to get multiple opportunities to attack the basket, whether it be off the one or one, one bounce or two bounce. But I, I've seen a guy in summer league that needs uh, a guy that can set the table for him at this point. And obviously understand his growth uh, from development in the NBA. Everybody has to put the basketball down because the offensive player has the advantage. So I think that that's something that he'll be able to pick up. But from what I saw just in the short stint, um, he's a guy that's going to fill a role and is going to execute. So that, that, that's a good thing. That's a positive for me, having a guy coming in from college, man, with the, with the understanding of if I can't score, I have to dive on the floor. And I think he has that mentality. So that's good for, you know, that's good for Wizards fans to, to understand who that guy is. I want to get both of your guys' takes on this one. And Larry, I'll start with you real quick. I think some fans, their first introduction to Corey, uh, you know, in any meaningful way, rather than watching some highlights, was to see him either in the tournament or specifically in the Baylor game. And and that was not his, you know, best performances of the season. You know, uh, he seemed to, to be a little out of sorts, especially, um, you know, against Baylor. Should that be anything anybody's worried about? Or is that just... Hey, bad matchup, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Now, I always like to say it's the body of work. You know, it, it has to be about the body of work. Anybody can have an off night. Anybody can, you know, these guys, are, he's a shooter. So, you know, they're going to do one or two things, either going to go in or it's not. Uh, but you have to look at the body of work and how consistent, consistent he was uh, throughout the year. And Gonzaga was a team that I watched just because I like the name Ayayi. Like they had a guy on the, on the team named Ayayi. So every time the announcer yelled that name, I, I kind of smiled a little bit. So I, I got a chance to watch those guys. But I would always look at, you know, when you're, you're evaluating, uh, you're talking about the longevity of a guy that you're bringing in. Uh, you want to look at the body of work. You don't want to identify any sort of outliers, whether they're good or bad, because that's going to put you in a bad spot. If you don't pick up a guy because he had a bad national championship game, um, you know, you're going to have a tough go about it. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you look at Corey's body of work last year, it was impressive. But look at all the guards uh, and perimeter players that Davion Mitchell and, and Teague and, and Butler and those guys made struggle. I mean, Gonzaga, I said it all year long that the worst matchup for Gonzaga is Butler. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, and, and hats off to them. They were able to get it done. But I don't agree. It doesn't take anything away from – you know, Corey's ability to play against high-level players. Dan, just any good Corey Kispert stories that that fans would, would get a kick out of, just to tell us a little bit more about him and, and what kind of guy he is? Well, he's become kind of legendary in Spokane just because, uh, you know, he, he's kind of the epitome of what Gonzaga basketball is about, you know, progression of getting better every single year to then be in, uh, your senior year being an All-American um, and being able to, uh, you know, be a mid first round pick. Um, I, I think, you know, people love him up here because he's done things the right way and he's always been about winning. Um, and then every time, you know, that he's had media requests or, or, you know, people have had interactions with him in the public, you know, I don't think there's anybody that says negative things about Corey. Um, so he does things the right way. You know, I do remember, this would have been a few years back, probably right before his freshman year, um, when I was still playing pickup a little bit with with the guys down there. Um, he was very receptive to coaching because um, I remember a couple instances where defensively I was guarding him and, and he didn't have the handle he has now. And I know he still needs work at the NBA level, but, you know, uh, somebody like myself who wasn't a great defender was able to pressure him in uh, to different things on the floor just because I had that mindset or that knowledge of what to do or how to get someone to turn their body. Um, you know, he was, he, he took the teaching and he took the coaching and was very receptive to it. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to say a week later I saw a difference, but I could tell over time, you know, some of those smaller things that we had talked about initially uh, had been worked on. I just want to know who's the next guy. I mean, I, I want to know who, who's the next guy, whether he's, uh, you know, a check that's coming in one and done, or you got somebody that's kind of, uh, you know, been hanging around that, that's going to get a look. 
Yeah, Soy Gonzaga. Obviously, everybody's going to know Chet Holmgren. Everybody knows Drew Timmy, probably preseason player of the year. Um, you know, there's 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 a wing that really didn't get a chance to play much last year, who was a freshman um, because of Kispert and Iyayi playing all those minutes. But Julian Strother, I think, is a guy that uh, has got a chance to have a, a breakout year nationally. Uh, he's about six seven. He scored like thirty five a game in high school in Las Vegas. Um, I think he was a three year uh, all state player down in, in Nevada. Every time I've seen him, uh, he just has a knack for scoring. Um, so I, I think he's got a chance to really make strides this year. And then they got a freshman that will be, um, if he doesn't redshirt this year. He will make an impact the following year. He might be the most athletic player that's come through Gonzaga's program, uh, and that includes Brandon Clark from a couple years ago. The kid's about 6'8", 6'9". Uh, he's just a tremendous athlete. He can rebound. He can he can get up and down the floor. He can block shots. And his offense is starting to come around a little bit. Um, he was kind of under-recruited early. Gonzaga was the first school that really kind of uh, targeted him. He committed before his uh, junior year of high school, and then since then – I think his confidence has grown and his, his game has really exploded. His name's Caden Perry. I'm writing that down. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> so, Dan, just before we wrap up here, I think one of the things that Wizards general manager Tommy Shepard has really sort of emphasized time and again is the need to get high character guys. And that's sort of been like the thing he mentions about everybody they draft. And you just talked about that with Corey, but, uh, obviously, you have you know some experience with Rui Hachimura as well. Uh, what is it that those kind of guys like? What are the characters that they both have that that make them, um, or the characteristics they both have that make them such like good teammates and and people that an organization would want to draft? Well, I think the the guys that you're mentioning there kind of fit Gonzaga's prototype of what Coach Few and the staff looks for: guys that love the game of basketball, um, that work hard at it, but then are coachable. And they kind of tie that all in to try to win games as opposed to to get numbers. You know, uh, I think Rui is a, is a great example. Um, he came to to Gonzaga as 18 years old from Japan. He could barely speak English. I mean, I, I was still playing pickup at the time when he was about to start as a freshman. And uh, I know this is off on a different topic, but that's the beautiful thing about basketball. You can't maybe talk the language, but you kind of – you become friends just because of playing the game of basketball. And, and, you know, we played, we played pick up a couple times together and right away I was like, man, this kid's going to be ridiculous. But he understood the pre the plan and the process that was going to take for him to be good. And coach few and, and Tommy Lloyd, who's now the head coach at Arizona kind of, you know, targeted, Hey, you're ready. Your freshman year, you, you got to get acclimated to, to the States and learn the language and, you know, you're going to play some, but not much. Your sophomore year is going to probably go a little better. And then your junior year, if you do all these things, you're going to have a chance to be a great player. Um, and it all came to fruition. And then he was a, was a lottery pick who's now, um, you know, showing signs of being a potential all-star. But, you know, you have to give him credit for understanding and, and buying the process of knowing what was going to happen. Because to be honest with you, Rui, based on potential and talent, probably could have left after his freshman year of college. But he probably would have struggled early on in his career because he didn't have that kind of structure yet to his game and how he approached the game. Where because he stayed those two more years, I think he's going to be a potential all-star, whereas opposed to he would have been really kind of thrown in the fire and not ready early on. You talked about sort of the off-court, you know, Gonzaga way, but but on-court, is there anything about uh, sort of the system that the Mark View runs, whether it's just because it's so ball screen heavy that it, it makes it for an easier transition to the NBA for these guys or, you know, anything on court that, that helps speed up that learning curve for them? Well, I mean, Coach View has always done a, a good job of tailoring what they do to their personnel and to the time of the game. You know, when I was in college, we we still ran a lot of flex offense. We ran some ball screens because I was good at it. Um, but we don't. They we didn't run the amount of ball screen actions that they do now. You know, Gonzaga was w one of the college programs that was kind of at the forefront of running that ball screen continuity that you see a lot of teams do now. They brought it over from 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 Europe. Um, you know, so I, I think the biggest thing Coach Few has always placed an emphasis on um, is competing, but then offensively 
the ability to shoot the ball and have a feel for the game. And whether that feel for the game is you scoring it or whether it's you making plays for other guys. Um, he's always placed an emphasis on feel. And, you know, I, I think that's where some coaches at all levels get caught up with. My point guard's got to be this size. My big needs to be this. This three-man has to do this, where, you know, Coach Few looks at feel and what you do well and how he can blend all those parts all together best. Larry, anything to close us out? No, just congratulations to the program. And how you guys are, are, you know, are structured. And I think it's, it's good that there's a difference of, of players that are coming through the university. Uh, it's obviously we all love to watch, you know, a lot better uh, just because of those experiences. And I'm talking about a four-year player and a one-year player, um, you know, having those guys mesh together and play together, you know, on, on the same team. I think that that's a, a testament to what those guys are doing out there. And anything that's going to make the Wizards better, I'm all for it. <laughs> Dan, where can people find uh, your work? Plug the podcast, especially since we're on the, the same network here, but but the full the full spectrum of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, appreciate you asking. So um, my podcast, The ISO, uh, is currently two times a week. As we get back into the school year, we're going to go back to five times a week. Uh, I have different guests. I, I have uh, mailbag episodes. Uh, you guys know the drill with the podcast. You got to kind of come up with some different unique ideas at all times. So you can find it on the Believe Podcast Network or scorebooklive.com, uh, either the website or download the Scorebook, the SB Live app. Uh, it's available on that as well. So, no, I appreciate you guys having me. And uh, anytime I get a chance to talk about fellow Zags, it's it's exciting with them transitioning to the NBA. Love it. Thanks so much, man. Uh, selfishly, Drew Timmy is one of my favorite players to watch. I'm a sucker for post-move footwork guy, so I'm, I'm hoping for a, a big year from him and uh, hope you know you can be in the gym safely and and calling these games with some fans this year. Well, that'd be the trifecta if you guys can get another zag next year. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll take it. Uh, awesome. Dan, thank you so much. Appreciate the time and uh, best of luck yep. to, to the program this season. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Thanks. I appreciate it, man. Good to see you. Let's spend a couple minutes on on just the game real quick. Yeah, um, no, I thought they came out, you know, a, a little bit more focused on what they were trying to accomplish. I think for from Corey's standpoint of why he played so well is is he didn't hesitate. Uh, he he received the ball, you know, on time on target, and he was able to to just you know make a play. Uh, first two games, he was probably thinking about what's going on. You know, this is a new environment. Uh, but last game, I think he just let basketball take over. Uh, the other guys made some shots. You know, they got some things at the rim, and they played together. And, and it's tough in summer league to 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 play together. You know, especially when you have the you know the mixed match of, of, of players uh, on that summer league team. So I think that that was their their you know keys to winning last night as they played together. Yeah, they just looked solid. I, I will be the first to admit I, I did not get to see the entire game. I uh, just watched the the shortened version, and they. They just looked a little crisper and a little more cohesive. I, I think, you know, what, what you're talking about there too. And, and that's obviously to, to Corey's benefit. Uh, friend of the show, Jordan Goodwin, also had seven steals last night, which is kind of crazy to me for for one game. Uh, so that, that was good to see him impact things on the defensive end too. Didn't score a ton, but uh, is like the leading guard rebounder in summer league. So it, it's cool to yeah. see that translate. Uh Laird, did you get to see any of Isaiah Todd last night? I would see like a couple plays where he'd sky for a rebound and then push the ball, and then then he just would look kind of lost for the next couple plays. Is that kind of what we can expect maybe from from Todd this first year while he kind of grows into this? No, I think once he gets around, you know, some veteran leadership that'll understand what they're doing, you know, day in and day out, you know, what spot he's expected to go to. Uh, like Dan said, it, you know, when you get into summer league you know, you are put into positions that you may be successful in or you may not be successful in. It's just that spot at that time. So I think for a young guy, especially coming in, you know, as a, as a guy that probably, you know, as he continues to develop his game, could be a really, really strong, you know, three, four kind of hybrid slash guy that's able to attack from the wing. So him just understanding when it's a good time to attack, I'm sure he don't, he don't, he don't have that idea now. But for me, I think it's you get those guys, those younger guys into, you know, vet camp and then get a chance to see how the other four players are playing 
And if that guy can adjust, then you have a player. If that guy can't adjust, then he's going to need some more seasoning. But I think that's when you can find out, you know, where a player stands is when you put other players around him that know exactly what's going on and know how to, how to operate the game. I tweeted this out the other day that I thought long-term we could look back on Todd as a better value pick than Corey Kispert. And I think some people took that as me shitting on Corey and I don't mean it that way. It's just that taking him at 31 with the potential he has, you know, like there is a high ceiling there may not totally reach it, but um, if you can get a guy with, you know, lottery level talent who's six ten guard skills, you know, to some degree um, at, at 30, I, I just think that that was, that was a really good move by the organization. Even if it doesn't pan out, it, it's worth the try. I think. No, I think that was a great comment and, and a really good way to put it because I think that there was huge value uh, overall in the draft, you know, later, you know, mm-hmm. in, in those round in that second round. Uh, so you have names and things that went, you know, first, but you also have to think about when you talk about value, you're talking about not only production on the court, but you're also talking about uh, a monetary value as well. So when these guys come up, you know, for their next deals, um, obviously with the pay scales, they'll be slated higher, you know, obviously than second round players. So that's where your value can come in, you know, monetarily. So I, I, I like that thought process. Obviously you want both of those guys to be great, but you can't, you can't fight that there's value because one guy went lower and once it's time to, to, you know, chase that second deal and that third deal is what we all like to chase. His value is going to come in higher because of he went lower. I think another smart thing the organization did was they signed Isaiah Todd to a four-year deal already, which is longer than the typical, you know, second round deal, I think. So if he does really pop in a couple of years, you've, you've locked him into like a first round length deal, which I, I think is, is a really smart choice. Um, anything else from summer league overall that stood out to you, Larry, any names or guys that, Hey, this guy is a surprise, or I, I didn't know much about that guy, but I keep seeing him show up in the highlight reels. Anyone? like that no not not really uh to, to be honest with you i think from a wizard standpoint i think you expect those guys to do what they do mm-hmm. uh and, and me knowing jordan uh, as, as well as i do and watching him for as long as i have uh, his ability to hang around the basketball is going to be huge and you know when you talk about summer league the value is a lot of the time that they're talking about you know they're talking about scoring they want to see how many points I mean, points are going to drive the league but you talk about a guy that's going to get seven steals and, and you know, lead, um, you know, the, the guards and the point guards and rebounding. Those are those intangible things that you look for when you're adding guys to your veteran team, uh, when you're looking to take those next jumps. So, yeah, that's the St. Louis kid. Yes, we had him on the show. But when you talk about a guy that has a nose for the basketball, you know, at the high at the at the youth level, at the high school level and college level, and now is showing that on the professional level. I mean, I think that that's something that to be talked about. The the one name for me uh, was Jaime Eshenike, uh, I guess out of Wichita State. I did not know anything about him. I will very kid, you know, I'll be very upfront about about that one. But uh, he's a cool, you know, like he's just there's been like calm situations where he'll get doubled and he's been moving through a double team to lay it up. And you're like, wow, that was just like a very patient, you know, mature move. And uh, I, I don't see maybe him making this opening day roster, but hey, you know, if you're the G League staff, I, I think you'd be trying to ink him to a deal already just to, you know, just to see if that pans out like longer term. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you look at him. Did he get, I believe he got hurt uh, so. last game. I know he spent some extended time, yeah. you know, off the court and in, in the locker room or something mm-hmm. that, that went on, but he's a quality, you know, a quality player. And we don't know, or I don't know, you know, how the expansion of the rosters is going to happen, whether, you know, on, on the NBA side and also on the G League side. So when you have this pool of players, now you have an extended roster, you have the ability to, you know, to play some guys where you want them to be and see how they develop and see how well they, they move forward and then potentially bring those guys either into, you know, into, into the vet situation or circle those guys back around into to summer league next year and see their development and see, if there's an ability to continue to move up. So I think that these guys are because of COVID and all the situations that they've, that they've been through. Um, I, I sort of hope and feel that that things will pick up for them, that they'll start to recoup and get some of these advantages of, of the expansion of opportunities 
uh, that'll give these guys a, a, a better chance of, of, you know, earning a roster spot and not necessarily having to go uh, overseas if, if they don't want to. And the Wizards have been pretty good about like once they've identified you as like someone that they like, they keep bringing those same couple of names and faces back when there are roster spots or they need 10 days and uh, they must kind of just keep them on standby or on speed dial for, for when those opportunities arise. And uh, I've mentioned on the show a couple of times, I really enjoyed going to capital city go-go games in 2019, I guess, uh, obviously the season got cut short and, and they didn't participate in the bubble last year, but you know, for folks, if you're, if you're looking for a reasonably affordable way to go take the family to see some high level basketball, I think they've got a chance with some of these guys, you know, transitioning over to be pretty good this year. So that might be a fun, cheap way to to get some NBA quality basketball for the family. Uh, Larry, just two things that have come up during summer league specifically, but just more sort of broadly applying this to especially the guys that that were early lottery picks going to bad teams. You experienced this a little bit, probably more so when you went to Golden State, but What's it like to be somebody who has won at every level and now you're dropped into a situation where like almost no matter what you do, like you're probably not going to experience like, you know, high level success right out of the gate. I, th- I think it's your, your mindset and, and how you prepare yourself to, to handle your failures because they're going to happen. And we talk about failures, you know, losing or not playing as well as you want to. Sure. I think that those things are going to happen. So with, with me, and, and if I'm having any discussion with a younger player that's had some success or, you know, coming off of, you know, from a great program that, you know, may lose three, four, five games, you know, per season. Uh, when you get into the NBA, you have the ability to lose, you know, 10 games in, in one month. So with me, it's how you prepare your mindset of how, I'm, how, how you're going to attack the next day and how are you going to attack the next game? Because these things are... are the inevitable, you're going to lose more games than you lost uh, in college. So really, it's your it's your mindset for me and your understanding of how do you attack the next day? How do you continue to get better? Uh, it's not about year one, year two, year three. It's it's about year one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight. You want to continue that track of just getting better and understanding what it takes to be successful in the NBA. Totally different than what it takes to be successful in college. Uh, your recruiting is different. Your your Team landscapes are different. Um, your conferences are different. Um, so all those things that play into you winning on the college level, uh, they don't factor in, you know, on the professional side. So separating those things. I always just assume because of the time restrictions in college, um, you know, which are been even more stringent now than, than I think when you were there, but versus the NBA, when you have all day to work on your craft, I, I would imagine that the jump you can make in one year in the NBA is, is considerably bigger than what you can make in one year in college. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. It is. And that's why we talk about, you know, the young people deciding to enter their name into the draft and, you know, about, you know, who, who they're getting their information from to make sure that it's, it's the right information. But yes, that is totally right. I mean, to have the ability to go, um, you know, and get on the job training where that is your only focus. Uh, Yes. We all want to, you know, continue to engage our brains and feed our brains as well. But from the college situation, you eliminate everything that 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 has anything to do with basketball. I mean, in, in the NBA situation, you eliminate anything that's not having to do with basketball. So that's your only focus. And when you think about college, there's all of these other things that play into your your responsibility as a young player that's on scholarship that there's not enough time in a day. I mean, your days get really short, so you don't get the chance to really work on your game as you as you really need to if you're talking about, you know, being a professional. So these guys, these players really walk a, a, a thin line between um, what's going to make the most sense and what's going to be the best opportunity for them to capture that long-term career. For you, you know, you came in as a as lottery pick, and obviously there's expectations with that. Uh, and you have expectations for yourself, is it more meaningful when, you know, sort of like the star player gives you advice than it is sort of like a fringe guy? Because you you more want to identify with that, you know, like if Brad pulls one of these rookies aside, does it carry more weight than 10th man or, you know, something like that? It does if it's going to be a consistent message. Okay. 
it, so so you have to the the right star has to be giving you know the right message because we know as a, as a star in the NBA you're going to be rewarded for those wins but you're also going to be criticized for those losses sure. so you can't have a star you know that's going to you know waver in his commitment to giving you the proper information because of everything that that he has to you know focus on so sometimes you do get the french guy that's been around to you know multiple organizations have been around you know different sort of coaching staffs uh, that can relay a different message or, or sometimes even a better message so i think it's it's good to have both of those um, both of those voices yes you want to make sure that the star even knows that you're on the team but you also know that you're going to be more so in this fringe bucket of how hard you need to work to actually you know crack the roster or like i said just gain that that you know that that long career since we last talked i I finally got to watch the whole malice in the palace documentary and just one of the comments stood out that said it was from reggie miller and he said look every good team needs a ron artest uh you know i want to say like enforcer i don't want that to like come off the wrong way but you know i mean like a, a guy that's Sort of the the physical guy on the team that that's not going to take any shit from anybody, um, and, and can kind of dish it out too if he needs to. Do you think that still translates to today's NBA, where it's a little more, I don't want to say finesse, but it's not as rough and tumble as it was, you know, in your day. Well, I, I think the mindset still has to be rough, rough and tough, right? Okay. So I think you do have like a PJ Tucker, you do have a Udonis Haslam that's still hanging around you know, in, in Miami. Um, so you do have these guys that, that are around with, with the different, you know, sort of mindset. So I think that it's, it's, you know, it's to, to be said, if you really, you know, need those guys to, you know, to win a championship, but having those guys in the locker room for that mentality, uh, for that ramp up period before you head out on the court, I think that those things are necessary, even in today's game, um, to have a guy like, you know, Ron, you know, in the space because those are the guys that you say, hey, I, I'm glad they're my teammate because I would hate to play against them. <laughs> and that does something to the opponent when you got a guy over on that on that, on that other bench of like, man, I wish he was over here. So I think that there could be some advantages to to still having a guy like that around. I mean, just even playing pickup, uh, when when they're picking teams, there's always certain guys who are like, shit, I really hope I'm teammates with that guy because I just I don't want him to guard me the whole time. Listen, man, I always kept me one of those guys around. Like, you, you got a guy, you know, somebody's chasing you around, you know, picking you up 94 feet, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, grabbing on you, you know, hacking you a little bit. You always need one of those guys you can go to and like, look, I'm going to run this guy your way. Make sure you take care of this guy for me. Whatever you need to do, <laughs> just make sure you get this guy off me. So you, you always need one of those guys around. That's really funny. Um, just sort of a random hypothetical I thought was a little funny that just since we saw Team USA uh, come away with the gold medal, uh, I, I saw the hypothetical posed about who the Olympic team could have been in 2004 when they ended up winning and just sort of the guys to choose from uh, in, in that time period. They had LeBron, still really young, obviously, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Jermaine O'Neal, Paul Pierce, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Ray Allen, Jason Kidd, Allen Iverson. Not only does that win a gold medal to me, I think that has a very like reasonable shot at being, you know, as good as these teams we've seen the last couple years leading up to it too. You know, you played against all those guys. What's the ceiling for a team with those kind of names on it? That's a squad, man. That's a squad. That's a that's a bunch of um, that's a bunch of Hall of Fame jackets and rings, you know, yep. on that list right there, man. That that's a squad. I mean, that's um, you know, that that's not the foundation of basketball, but that is like the evolution of of basketball right there with those names. I love it. Uh, all right, before we close this out, anything you're watching? Any shows, movies? Anything other than basketball you got going on, Larry? What what tell the people what you're what you're up to these days? Man, I um, well, anything that comes on Netflix, man, that that has any, uh, any sort of like fanfare, sure. and most of the times I don't even know the names of these shows, man. But I, I binge watch if it's something that's interesting. I, I binge watch everything. So Netflix is is my go to like for the shows that are in that forty five to fifty minutes. 
anything that's an hour, I, I, it, it sounds crazy, but that little 15 minutes or 10 minutes, I, I just difference. don't make it. Yep. And I, and I lose complete interest. So any of these shows, um, I can't, what, what, what am I just watching? I just watch something just, um, Oh, wouldn't think I'd be watching this, but I just started. Okay. All right. The Outer Banks. I have uh, heard multiple other people tell me this recently. I, I think I think I heard JJ Reddick say that's his current binge watch too. Yeah, I'm watching it. I think just in the first like two or three episodes, but uh, I, I caught it, I think, on social media or Twitter or yeah. something and say, hey, this is a show that's out. Um, not sure I'm going to finish it, though. I got to be honest. I'm not sure okay. I'm going to finish it, depending on what my days look like. I got the Outer Banks one that, that I'm just starting to tap into. <laughs> Per some some Wizards fan suggestions, my wife and I have just watched Ted Lasso, the Jason Sudeikis show where he's an American football coach uh, coaching European football in, in England. And uh, it's a comedy, but got some, you know, real world themes, I think. And I got like won a Golden Globe for it and stuff. It's it's like funny and endearing. So uh, it's on Apple TV. So if you got that one, uh, I would say add it to your list. It's like a half hour, pretty light. Uh, worth worth a binge watch. Okay, Larry, anything to uh, to close us out with here? No, I don't have anything. Everybody, as always, rate, review, subscribe, send us questions, all that good stuff. We're gonna keep bringing in different guests. And as uh, a couple of folks have asked, you know, when we're gonna do like the full season roster breakdown and and all that kind of stuff. I think we'll uh, let's at least wait till like training camp. You know, see what the final list of names are and, and all that stuff. And uh, you know, we'll we'll get you that deep dive you're looking for, uh, you know, in the next month or so here. With that, this has been Believe in Wizards. Again, our guest was Dan Dickow. Uh, we're brought to you by betonline.ag, and we will check you guys next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.